Welcome to the Heather Penny Podcast, where our goal is to help you reach your potential by increasing clarity, building confidence, and engaging courage. Heather is a leadership coach, trusted advisor, and admired author. I'm Christina Morales, a writer and marketer, and Heather is my dear friend and coach. Today, we're on part two of seven in this series called Race Space. We have seven tough subjects to discuss, and I encourage you to listen to last week's episode about responding versus reacting. It's really good. You don't want to miss it. So today, we're going to touch on questioning versus accusing. Heather, this is another tough topic. These are fighting words right here because this seems like a lot of the response is due to the interpretation of the hearer. So how do we question without being accusatory? Well, yeah, that is a very big topic. Um, (laughs) I guess I'm kind of at the stage in my life where I'm thinking when in doubt, ask a question. Okay. So one of the things that I'm, you know, my tagline is clarity, confidence, courage. Mm -hmm. If I don't have clarity, I've learned that's the biggest flag I start waving. Mm -hmm. And if there's any kind of confusion or chaos in the conversation, I just stop. And I'm like, I am not moving forward without clarity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've done it too many times before and it will not end well. Mm -hmm. So if I'm confused and I'm feeling chaos and I'm feeling the intensity of the situation, I just slow it down and I start asking questions like, and I'll say, hey, I, I'm just a little confused or I, I just need to get some clarity here. Can you help me understand why this, this happened? Or can you, help, can you explain this? I, wanna, I just want to understand this. I did it yesterday in an email. Mm-hmm. I got broadsided by uh, someone not being involved in a meeting. And I, was, I just wasn't told that the, the whole roster had changed on the list in the meeting. Okay. And so... Um, it put me in a bit of an awkward position with this leader because this leader starts talking to me about, you know, wanting to be part of this meeting and all this different stuff. And I'm like, he's on the roster at the meeting short, you know, long story short, I just didn't get the updated roster. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that at the time. And I still have to finish <laughs> the meeting. And then I have to reach out to the supervisor and say, Hey, just want to understand. Did you change your mind on this individual being involved with this process or this meeting? Because um, I just wasn't sure what was going on. So clearly it could have been a, an accusatory thing of why did, why did this guy not be involved in the roster? That moves into more of accusing hmm. versus, hey, I'm going to assume good intent here. Okay. And I'm just going to acknowledge that I'm confused and... And I will acknowledge that it put me in a bit of an awkward position, but it's okay. We're all going to be okay. So he was great. You know, we've got a great, strong working relationship. He responded back. He goes, yes, I did change my mind on this, which people are allowed to change their mind. That's part of being in a gray space. Like you get to change your mind. So I said, okay, that's fine. And he explained, he gave me the courtesy. He didn't have to. He gave me the courtesy of explaining why he changed his mind of excluding this individual. And I I didn't even have any opinion on it. I didn't need to have an opinion on it. I said, okay, that's fine. No worries. I will support your direction of leadership is how I responded. And then I said, can I please have the updated roster? Just because I want to make sure that I'm not putting this off position again of not knowing who's going to this meeting. Mm-hmm. So it was a great conversation, but it all started with this question. Can you help me understand it? That opened a dialogue and helped me understand what was going on. 
And then I was able to tell him why I needed this information and how it put me in a bit of an awkward position. I just need the roster, the updated roster ahead of time so that I'm always staying in the loop. So that's kind of gives you an idea or example of a question and accusing more in the professional setting. Mm-hmm. Clearly you can see how this translates over the personal mm-hmm. um, questioning what's going on with your kids, with the husband versus accusing is so much. <laughs> the conversation goes so much better is my point. Yeah. And it's tempting to accuse whether grades are dropping or whether they got in a car accident or whether there's something that happened with your kids, it's easy to start jumping to conclusions and assumptions versus saying, all right, let's start from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Let me ask some clarifying questions. I want us all to get clarity. I want to hear all the perspectives and then I can decide how I'm going to respond to the situation. Mm -hmm. So does questioning and accusing um, stem from the words that we use? Like in marriage counseling 101, it says, don't say you always, you never, like those are (laughs) accusatory words. So what are some openings like you gave us great examples like I want clarity so what are some things we should say and what are some things that we shouldn't open with well I usually like to give my good intent I'd like to ask you this question because I'm trying to get some clarity here mm-hmm. and that was what exactly what I introduced to the email yesterday when I sent it over to a respected colleague and it was great because <laughs> he explained the whole thing and at the end of the uh, email he says does that make sense Mm-hmm. So it showed that he cared that he gave me clarity and he cared and he heard that I wanted clarity and he explained his whole process of thinking. Mm-hmm. So really making sure that we communicate the intent of why we're asking the question is really powerful. Mm-hmm. So sometimes before I ask the question, cause there's a way to ask the question, which would yeah. be, why did you exclude him versus <laughs> me? Why did you exclude him? True. Those are two different ways to ask the question. You know, it doesn't matter if you're just asking him the question, you want to ask it with the right spirit. Mm-hmm. So, and particularly with email, yeah. people don't know how you're asking it. It's just safe to assume, hey, if I can communicate my good intent of why I'm asking the question, just be upfront with them. Mm-hmm. Let them know that I'm trying to get clarity. And I think most people who work with me know that, particularly with my, my uh, tagline, clarity, confidence, courage. It's, it's really how I operate. Hey, I'm always going to be asking questions for the sake of clarity. I even give them the permission. Hey, if, if this is, mm-hmm. this is outside my sphere of work, you don't need to answer it. Like if I don't need to know, that's fine too. I give mm-hmm. them the permission to be able to step into that mm-hmm. or not. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned emails. Cause I'm always so worried that someone is going to take my comment the same because like they can't hear your intonation of your voice. Like, um, did you send me that email or did you send, I didn't get your email. I always, I'm emoji overkill on all my texts and all <laughs> my emails. I always do little happy faces because I'm like, okay. So you, so you know, the tone of what my email is, my text is. Yeah. Yeah. And Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems that when you're in the questioning stage, you haven't made your mind up on an issue yet. When you're in the accusatory stage, you kind of already have. So like our kids not turning in their homework, I can say, um, so, hey, what happened to that math homework? Like, I really don't know what happened to your math homework. Or in the accusatory stage, I could say, what happened to your math homework? I know it's in your backpack and not in, you know, on your teacher's desk. So is that kind of true too? Oh, that is such a great summation. I love that, Christina. You're right on. The questioning leaves room to really get the answer. Yeah. The accusing says, I already have the answer and I don't care about I've yours. I already made up my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, what a great, um, I appreciate you bringing that up because questioning builds the bridge. Yeah. Accusing blows up the bridge. So good. Yeah, right? <laughs> right. We'll get better. And we'll get more and more clarity together. We'll just keep talking, Christina. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, so like, okay, the world is crazy right now. It's election season. It's COVID season. Uh, racial tensions are high. People are saying a whole lot of stuff on social media. The news is saying a whole lot of crazy stuff. How do we talk? these big issues out. How do we question and not accuse? I mean, even on the debates, they can't do this. So if the leaders of our country can't do this, how do we set the example? Well, I mean, it's just a little issue. Go ahead. You have like two seconds. I, yeah, two seconds. I know. <laughs> the and I will say with debates, what are they? They're competing for our votes. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, it's, True. it is a little bit of apples to oranges. Yeah. I think one of the things we get to recognize is we're not competing for anything, mm -hmm. you know? You, you and I, let's say we, we want to step into a conversation together. There's nothing we're competing for. I'm not trying to compete for votes against you. Yeah. So we get to step into more of a questioning relationship, and I get to make sure I'm really understanding where you're coming from. And I think it goes both ways. You get to question what I'm coming from, and then we get to figure out what is it that we're both needing and how do we build that bridge but still respect where each other's mm -hmm. coming from. I mean, that's, that's what questioning does, Right. Right. The debaters, they don't care about building that bridge. They're competing to, against one another. And I think that's what's sad in our relationships. I want to say, there's nothing to compete. What are you competing for? There's nothing to compete. Like, why is it so important for you to convince this person, either for your candidate or for a political issue or moral issue or a religious issue? Why is that so important for you to convince that person? Hmm. What are you competing for? Mm -hmm. Oh, you're competing for maybe... There's no one voting for anything for you, right? So I think there's nothing to there's nothing to compete for, and there's nothing that we have to stand on hills that are so rigorous and um, divisive that blows up bridges between us. Why not question one another? Why not try and build a bridge? We don't have to stand on our different hills and demand to be heard. And I think it comes from a deep sense of you have to validate me. No, you don't. Nobody has to validate me. I get to validate myself and then I get to decide if that person's willing to step into the conversation with me and join me in the bridge and do a bridge building with me. If they don't want to, I don't have to, I have to join it. Mm -hmm. So I think as we let go of this idea that we're trying to compete for something, I can't quite figure out what people are trying to compete for. I, I just want to say there's, there's no game to be won here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's no point system. There's no gold stars. We just get to listen to one another and, and trust that as a human race or as a partnership or a marriage or a work relationship, we can get there better together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it seems like on social media too, where people are arguing, do I wear a mask? Are masks ridiculous? I've never seen one person go, oh my goodness, you are right. You changed my mind. Like I've never seen one person change <laughs> well their <said>. mind. <laughs> well said. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. yeah. It's never like, oh, the light bulb went on. Thank you for sharing that information. It's just back and forth. And I think you have a great point. And we've talked about this before that in your inner circle, you, it's a two-way street. You don't have to argue with someone that you don't care about or that's not in your inner circle. And it's okay to say, to walk away and say, you know what, this isn't going anywhere and just leave it where it's at. We need to give ourselves the permission just to walk away. 
Yes. Yes. Walk away, set boundaries, maybe say, well, I don't think this is something that <laughs> we're ever going to find a bridge to. Like we can mm-hmm. still be friends, but let's just keep this topic off the table. Mm-hmm. So you're just wondering, kind of figuring out where your boundaries are with people is really important to, so that you can step into really create, create the space that you want. And this goes back to this idea of grace space. Mm-hmm. You can carry that with you wherever you go in the world mm-hmm. or you can blow it up. People don't realize their power to participate in gray space or to really um, create uh, other spaces like shame spaces or guilt spaces or obligation spaces or fear spaces. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I'd love for us to keep remembering that every human being has the potential to grow gray spaces or to grow other spaces that really sabotage the sense of grace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now I'm going from social media and now I'm bringing it into my home. I'm going to get ultra vulnerable here. It's time for my coaching. So, oh, okay. Uh, I was hurt when I was younger and by a family member. And when I questioned them about their actions, I got excuses. So what do we do when we ask the hard questions to people in our inner circle and we don't get the answers we want to hear. How do we process that? And how do we accept that? Like, that's not the answer I wanted. And that's not getting me anywhere. It's just an excuse for your behavior. How do I process that? Well, first, I'm so very sorry. You were not hurt as a kid. I think I want to offer that compassion. Um, hmm. It's a horrible feeling to feel. And does a number on our psyche, doesn't it? Absolutely. (laughs) Kind of scars us. So Mm -hmm. thank you for bringing that to the table. And I really want to honor that. But I think there's a, I think there's a grieving process we have to do to heal, which is to honor that younger self that said that didn't get heard and then Mm -hmm. recognize that she deserves to be heard and that she was valid and that she was treated. um, She was treated in a very hurtful, dysfunctional manner that says, what you say isn't valid or true and therefore we have no place for you and space for you. And I think once you recognize the deep pain of what that did to you as a child and then step into the fact that I get to heal from that and I get to recognize how weighty that was. And now I get to create new relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, and coaching is always about moving forward. And so the process of healing is really a powerful therapeutic counseling process And so I don't want to gloss over that, but I also want to honor the fact that you came to me with coaching saying, yeah, I have dealt with that head. Now what do I do to move forward? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I want to honor that space with you and say, you get to move forward, Mm -hmm. but in moving forward, you got to grieve really how painful that was. Otherwise we stay stuck there. And what do we do then? We start tap dancing to everybody else to say, will you hear me? Am I important? Will you validate me? Will you affirm me? Exactly. So until you get that younger space kind of healed, that's actually what keeps us stuck. Hmm. As that gets healed, and let's just assume that that space has really been healed in your journey, we get to move forward and say, all right, my energy gets to be about finding what it looks like to be in relationships that validate me. Mm -hmm. This is both scary and terrifying and vulnerable and exciting and adventurous and um, enjoyable. It's everything. It's a mix of emotions and it's just a, it's awareness of 
when we've been hurt really bad like that, and all every human has a story, you know, and if not one, several stories where we can pinpoint kind of where our heart broke. Mm. And we kind of started making these false beliefs of I'm not lovable. I'm not valuable. I'm too high maintenance. I don't count. Mm. My words aren't important. My voice isn't, doesn't matter. These are horrible vows. We kind of start making with ourselves and these false beliefs, recognizing that that now gets to be a true belief, which says my voice counts. Mm. I'm lovable. I'm loved. And I'm only going to settle now for this new standard of relationships that says, Mm. Christina, you matter. And, and what you bring to the table has value. We may not agree on everything, but you will always feel valued and honored and respected because of your human being. And that, and I, that's what I value as a human being. Mm-hmm. Those are the relationships now you get to step into, mm-hmm. but you can see the connection is so tied to how we recover and how we heal yeah. in order for us to start moving forward and then start cultivating it. And here's the worst thing we do. This is kind of the last 10% of the conversation here. If we don't own that, what we start doing is we start attracting those relationships over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Yeah. Why do we keep get, attracting friends that don't validate us? Why do we keep attracting these relationships that kind of make snarky remarks or who are jealous of us? Because mm-hmm. we haven't quite healed from that younger space or that broken heart place where we got deeply hurt. Recognizing how we got hurt and the false belief that came out of that and creating a true belief is very, very powerful. That's how we move forward and say, yeah, this is what, this is all I'm going to have in my life. This is all I'm going to invest in. And I'm not going to continue to attract people that say, you don't count, you don't matter, you're not valuable. Mm -hmm. And this is a lifelong journey. You know, I still have to step into that. And as my world has grown and gotten bigger and I've stepped into so many more circles, that's the piece I have to carry with me, Mm -hmm. you know, and some people are going to love what I have to say. And some people are not going to love it at all. I still get to be who I want to be and need to be and honor people's perspective. But there's, there's people that I don't have to engage with and I get to kind of do what I call bless and release. Oh, you get to think whatever you want. I just don't have to sit and listen to it. Mm -hmm. Long answer to your question, but hopefully that helped. (laughs) And it's just, you know, 45 years of pain. That was a short, short answer for that. It kind of goes back to our last topic we were talking about responding versus reacting. Like once you have that clarity and that healing, then you're able to respond and have that um, balance and that security. You don't have to react because these people are family members or, or even just memories and you react to the memories. And now I can respond and say, okay, I can put that aside and heal from it and grieve. And that's okay to grieve. It's not just put it in a box and put it away. It's processing it. And um, like I always do, I like to flip it around. Uh, (laughs) And so I'm now, these people are family members and now I'm emotionally distant and I'm being accused of being unforgiving, which very well may be true. Let's be honest. You know, I'm still... (laughs) I'm still a little pissed off. Um, So what do I do if I'm unjustly accused? Because I've questioned, I haven't gotten my answers, and now I've put some boundaries up. How do I respond and go forward? Well, yeah, that's a tricky spot. Because then you do think, am I being unforgiving? And maybe you are. You're right. Um, Or am I being strong boundary? Maybe you are. Hmm. Maybe it's a hybrid of both. I will say in my own story, that's usually when I involve a professional 
okay. because I want an objective opinion that's holding the process accountable. And it, it reminds me, you know, I used to be in a teaching. It reminds me when I was on yard duty and the kids would come up to me and say, you know, Johnny just spit on me. Well, you know, Anita just kicked me and, you know, <laughs> I'm just kind of like trying to weed through what was happening and make sure that we got justice served there on the playground. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have that third party helping you hold the accountability for what healthy relationships look like, it can be very disorienting and confusing and it can take a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm someone who likes to get results pretty quick. The faster, the better is my feeling. So I usually involve a professional that says, I'm going to lay all the cards on the table. I don't want you to side with me. I want everything on the table and I want you to tell me my perspective, if it's on or off or what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And when I had to make a hard call with, with putting some boundaries down with some difficult um, relationships in my life, I've, each time I've had to do this, I've, I've hired a counselor to say, am I doing this right? Is this okay? And let me walk you through all the scenario. Let me show you some of the, either the letters or the emails or mm-hmm. the conversations. Let me be very honest and tell you what I, how I responded. And it's been so empowering for me to get that, oh, I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. And because I get that objective perspective, it allows me, and one that I trust, kind of a trusted guide, it allows me to not only stay strong in my boundaries, but it also allows me to be loving. Mm-hmm. You know, I love you all. I love you. It doesn't mean that I have to participate in a relationship with you in the way that you're setting up the rules. Mm-hmm. If you cannot honor the way I need to step in this relationship, then it's not a relationship. Mm-hmm. So the only way I've been able to stay strong in my history has been able to say, all right, I'm going to bring a third party in here that I trust. And not that I bring the other person in, you know, not that I bring the people that I'm struggling with in because I don't want to do counseling with them, but it's really more of me making a check on my own, my own perspective and my own gut and making sure that I'm seeing this right. That has been really powerful for me. And uh, whether it's been coaches or counselors or mentors or my husband, mm-hmm. <laughs> people that I really trust. And sometimes if it's a very difficult situation, it's like I have a team. Mm-hmm. I've got, you know, some of my close friends. I've got my husband. I've got a counselor. I've got a coach. I've had several people that mm-hmm. I just say, hey, I, this isn't an easy decision for me. And I want to make sure I'm making the right one. Can you stay with me in it? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's weeks and months. And, um, you know, it just depends on what it is that whatever decision I'm making, I make sure that I do it in a way that makes me feel like I'm, I'm able to step in this most healthy, most life giving way possible. And really the one that offers most freedom, not just to me, but to the other person, you know, we're not doing any favors when we overstay in a relationship that's not helping either one of you. Mm -hmm. And that's good because when you're unjustly accused or someone says something about you that's not who you are sometimes you need someone else that you're close to to give you that clarity of no that's not who you are that's not the person I see and no they're speaking from their hurt and that's being reflected on you but that's not you so it's so important to have that team right one of the biggest flags to watch is if you're feeling confused okay no you don't even have to know why but if I am confused the relationship's not going to go well so if I'm constantly in a state of confusion with this person, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even have to know all the reasons why I, I have to go get clarity and who knows, maybe it's a hundred percent me, but I still, I can't get the clarity I need in this relationship for whatever reason, whether it's triggering my own stuff or anything else. 
this relationship isn't working because mm-hmm. all, all that's raining there is um, confusion and chaos. Mm-hmm. So I think just letting yourself kind of give yourself the permission to take some steps back and get all the clarity you need before you handle and tackle that relationship is fair as well. Mm-hmm. And that's, I encourage people that all the time. Like if all you're getting is, is confusion and chaos with this individual, take a beat, step back, find your clarity, and then you'll know what to do about that relationship. Mm-hmm. And you just brought up something interesting. I'm wondering, can we question and accuse ourselves? Like yeah. we can say, am I responding to this well? Or I can say, oh gosh, I do this wrong every single time. Why do I let them? And I accuse myself and I put myself down. Can we do that to ourselves? Definitely. Definitely. You know, that's why I talk about true beliefs and false beliefs. Um, Mm -hmm. We can really start believing that we have to put up with things or that we don't count Mm -hmm. or that we have to keep working this hard. I remember the biggest epiphany, this was years ago, probably in my 20s when someone said, friendship shouldn't be this much work. (laughs) I never forgot that phrase. And I think it was a therapist who told me that. And I go, really? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was so conditioned at that point in my life that friendships had to be work. And if it wasn't work, it probably, I wasn't doing my job or it wasn't an intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and you and I were just joking before the podcast where I was doing all these, uh, I'm really crafty, these pumpkins right now and putting mm-hmm. all the succulents on it. And I have a friend and, and she's a new friend and there's zero work there. It's only about fun. And it's like, what, what's the next project we're going to do together? Mm-hmm. You know, another friend I'm like, okay, when are we going to go shopping for our Christmas stocking gifts together? You know, we were just texting about this morning. I think once I started embracing this true belief that my friendships get to be very enjoyable, Hmm. it started shifting my whole way in how I interact with people. And the moment I started realizing, wow, I spent so much of my emotional, relational energy working on relationships personally and in family, extended family even my husband and I, one of the phrases we've had of 27 years is, let's have a marriage of ease. Mm. Why? Because we both grew up in homes where we had to work. <laughs> and we just wanted a marriage of ease. And yeah, we've had to quote work in our marriage, but mm-hmm. you've heard that phrase of marriage is work. And I go, I think it might be more of a false belief than I'm willing to believe. Mm. My true belief is I get to enjoy my marriage. Like that's what I'm heading for. Will mm-hmm. it take work to enjoy it? Yeah. But I think this true belief of marriage gets to be enjoyable and I get to marry my best friend and we get to be best friends to one another is really what I'm shooting for. That's what I want to believe. And that's what I want to start creating with my, with my um, favorite human. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love that. That's so good. Well, that's all the time we have for today. This, I think this is quick. It always goes so quick. (laughs) I think it's been one of my favorite ones. (laughs) Join us next time we when we address the next topic in gray space: receptivity versus defensiveness, which is obviously the perfect sequel for today's discussion. Please subscribe to the Heather Penny podcast, and for questions, comments, and resources, please visit heatherpenny.com. Remember to live your best life. You have to live intentionally. Have a great day, and we can't wait for you to join us next week. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, Christina.